Okay, so hello everyone. My name is Nivedita Sukish. Um, call me Nivi. I am your host today and I'm a junior in high school. I'm really excited for what we're talking about today. So let me introduce our organization as well as our guest today. So we represent MIST or Mental Illness Support for Teenagers, which is a student-run initiative started by two high school students named Shelly and Siri from St. Louis, Missouri. We aim to reduce the stigma of mental health issues across the world with chapters in St. Louis, Fresno, California, and Dubai. We also have volunteers from across the world. You can learn more about MIST on our website, as well as on, on our Instagram at MIST underscore teens. So the topic for today's podcast is the education system and its relation to mental health. On today's podcast, we have three guests, Aga, Anya, and Shaylee, who are all high school students. So we're going to start off with Aga, who is a high school senior from St. Louis, Missouri. He founded the Literacy Initiative, a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting literacy in undeserved schools and community. Hi, Aga. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm doing great. So can you please tell us about yourself and why you started the Literacy Initiative? Yeah, so my name is Aga Hader. I'm currently a high school senior that attends Whitfield in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm an avid philanthropist and change maker, and I've worked on quite a few projects throughout my middle and high school careers. I decided to start the Literacy Initiative after I gave a talk in front of my 8th grade English class focused on illiteracy among children and teens in poverty. And after that presentation and talk, I realized that's not only important to speak on the issue, but it's also important to take action on the issue as well. So that's how the Literacy mm -hmm. Initiative was started. Okay. So what are some of your past memorable projects with the initiative? And what impact have they made? Yeah, so our biggest project, which unfortunately we're no longer able to do because of COVID, was our mm -hmm. Books and Cookies program, which was focused on providing high school students with an opportunity to go out into the community, especially underserved mm -hmm. communities, and work with schools in areas with poverty. And through the Books and Cookies program, they had the opportunity to work in groups alongside students and help them increase their reading proficiency and just work with students to provide them with an opportunity to have somebody that they can look up to and have somebody that can mentor them. So something that was just really cool about the program was to see the bond between the high school students and the students that they were supporting at that school. It wasn't just the high school students were going each week to just do service and leave, but it was a time where the students actually bonded with one another and they created mm -hmm. connections and memories. So it was more than just mm -hmm. teaching them various skills. It was that, of course, but we it was more than just that, which was something that we just thought was really cool and different about our program. And yeah. we worked with about 20 schools across St. Louis and the Memphis communities. We were also planning to launch in a couple of other communities as well, but we're unfortunately we weren't able to do that because of COVID in the spring. So yeah, because of COVID, what projects are you currently working on? Yeah, so one of our major projects that we've been working on, or actually this past summer was when we launched our virtual camp program. And that was a really cool program that brought in high school students from across the world to serve as counselors for the program. So we hosted various virtual programs from our dance classes to our arts classes 
all the way to science and technology classes such as coding. So it was a really cool opportunity to branch out and get high school students involved from really across the world and country as well. So we were able to work with about a thousand youth from across the world who participated in our actual programming. And then we had a few hundred high school volunteers who served as counselors for the program, which was a really great opportunity to branch out and get really get our name out there. And right now we've been doing a virtual mentorship program where we're connecting high school students one-on-one with an elementary school student where they actually are mentored and the high school student works with them on anything from tutoring and help with homework Mm -hmm. to just talking with them and seeing how their life is going right now. So that's a kind of what we're doing right now during the pandemic. Wow. That sounds amazing. Um, So a little shift, what do you believe are some sources of stress for students and how does like kind of vary depending on, you know, where the school, student goes to school or you know their financial issues or whatever else yeah i definitely think there's a lot of stress and just anxiety that goes into education alongside covid because there's just a lot of factors that have changed and have switched because of covid in the education system for one i think that when in march when schools were transitioning to online learning none of the districts were really ready mm-hmm. to put together a system that actually worked for students. And that's that's something that depends on the school district. Some of them don't have a ton of resources. So it's not like they're able to, oh yeah, we have enough money in our budget to push out 500 computers or a thousand computers to all our students. And even in those school districts that do have that funding, many of their students will already have computers or technology at home. So I think, the pandemic really exposed the fact that there are a lot of inequities within the education system that are not necessarily always known about. For example, that barrier in technology is a huge factor, Um, especially, again, in March when schools were transitioning to online learning. There were a lot of schools in lower-income communities where a ton of students did not necessarily have computers or access to a phone or even access to Wi-Fi. And that was a super huge issue because if they're not going to be an in-person school, how are they supposed to continue learning? And I think there was a lot that occurred and stemmed from the transition, 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 excuse me, to (laughs) online learning. Um, And I think that, that again, there were a lot of inequities that were exposed because of that transition. Also, another thing is, for example, uh, a lot of students in the lower income communities rely on the free or after school meal program or yes. free or reduced lunch program. Um, and that's something that's pretty huge for schools and for students. And that was something that the districts in underserved communities, they also had to focus on that and how exactly they're supposed to get the meals to students. So they also had a lot more to think about than schools, let's say, for example, in the Parkway School District. I mean, sure, they did have a lot of things that they had to figure out. But of course, it was going to be more if it's in the Ferguson Forston School District or the St. Louis City School District, because there's a lot more factors that go into it. And at the same time, that requires a lot more money because providing free meals and providing laptops and Wi-Fi hotspots, that all requires money, which is something that budgets are laid out a lot 
prior to the beginning of the school year. So a lot of them had to see where they could get this money from and get donations and et cetera. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question. I kind of went off on that. But... Oh, that's good. That was great. Um, so, you know, what are the... You mentioned, what have you noticed specific to, you know, the St. Louis area? with education or mental health even? Yeah, so I would say I actually did a podcast with my friend uh, and we actually interviewed local area school districts and talked with school district leaders. And one thing was definitely prevalent was the fact that schools such as Parkway or Rockwood, uh, those school districts that are in much more wealthier communities I would say, or just middle to upper class communities, they were mainly focusing on how exactly they were going to run their school day, how exactly what like programs they'd be using yeah. in order to put together their virtual learning. Whereas more when we talk to the St. Louis City School District leaders or the University City uh, high school principal, they were more focusing on how exactly, A, how they would get their free meals to students and how students would be able to stay fed. And then two, getting technology to students because that's a huge thing is that a lot of students, especially in the city, they don't always have access to Wi-Fi or don't always have access to computers and tablets, which is a huge issue if they're doing all virtual learning. As I said before, I think that's the difference between like, wealthier school districts and school mm -hmm. districts in areas with high rates of poverty is the fact that they're all focusing on different sorts of things and they all have their own priorities. Yeah. And I also feel as though students, especially in lower income communities will have more that the pandemic would have more of an impact on mental health issues with like mental health and stuff like that will are definitely going to be more prevalent in lower income communities because they have to think more about how they're going to get their next meal, how exactly they can continue focusing on school. And I think that that's a huge issue. Um, and it's something that although everybody is kind of struggling during this time and people are all, all still worried about, you know, if their families still gonna have a job, if their parents are going to still have their job, I think, there are a lot more impacts on students who come from lower income families because they do have to worry about the basic things. And of course, if you don't have a meal in the morning, you're not going to be as focused on school. And yeah. that negatively affects, you know, it's just a cycle. For example, if you don't have breakfast in the morning, you don't have lunch in the morning or lunch in the middle of the day, you're not going to be able to focus at school because you're going to be thinking about how you're hungry. And that's just, that creates a gap, a huge gap, and continues to that gap continues to grow with like this with everything happening with the pandemic and everything. So, yeah. Okay, so how do you how do you think we should be improving this gap? These issues that keep on rising, especially with the pandemic. Yeah, I would definitely say one is just knowing the fact that there are issues and there is a gap. I think the fact that education kind of comes first because it's important for people yeah. to realize that these issues actually do exist and that it's just it's just important to be educated and know the fact that there is a gap and this gap will continue increasing unless we don't take action on these issues uh, i also think it's important for 
our governors, our politicians to understand that education should come first. It should be a priority. Um, of course, the pandemic itself and making sure that there's a vaccine that comes out, et cetera, that's also a priority. But I also think education should also be at that forefront uh, of their of what they should be focusing on because education is ex it's essentially what molds people because you have to be educated in order to be successful. And I think that's something that's really important. And I know for there was an article that was released a few months ago over the summer that Governor, Governor Parsons for the state of Missouri was cutting a lot of the education funding. Uh, and then I also looked into New York City schools and some of the schools were supporting in those communities and arts education was being cut. And I think it's, although it might be necessary, um, I think it's also important to realize that all these schools already in lower income communities, they don't have a ton, they don't have a huge budget. They're kind of working okay. with what they have and making cuts to the budget will impact some of their programs. And especially I think the fact that we're online as well, I mean, you won't have as many costs in the building and having the lights on, but there's other factors that go into it as well, such as technology, as I've talked about, is a huge factor and a huge uh, issue is that a lot of students in these lower income communities don't have access to technology. So I think that's important for, again, politicians and our governor to actually realize that you really can't cut education funding because it's so crucial to student success. And it also negatively impacts students from lower income communities if there is less funding for education because again, there's other programs within each of these schools. It's not just, you know, learning, but it's also the free or reduced meals and all these programs that also need funding from the state. And I think that's from the federal government. Um, those programs are kind of funded through there. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So that draws the segment to an end. Agna, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I really enjoyed this initiative. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Nandi, the co-founder and co-president of Mental Health Advocates. MHA is a student-founded and run organization at Parkway Center High School who advocate for mental health issues at our school and throughout the Parkway District. We are the first ever in the district to create an organization specifically to promote mental health education. Our goal is to act to create a mentally healthier environment in the Parkway District and eventually other districts as well. We have done this through hosting information nights for parents and school staff, creating an online newsletter, and with COVID, we have took to our Instagram page with now more than 800 followers to post various resources about a variety of mental health issues. I hope you will support us in our journey. Come check us out. Welcome back everyone, this is Nivi with the MIST organization here to discuss education system into mental health. Today we are Anya, who is a St. Louis Missouri 
worked in Sri Lanka and will as well as the pressures that both students face. Um, so hi Anya, how are you? I'm pretty good, thank you. How are you? Doing great. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your story? For sure. So hi, I'm Anya Tiwari. I was born in India, but I spent the majority of my childhood in Sri Lanka. I'm a high school sophomore attending MICDS and my family got transferred here to St. Louis just last year. And as for now, I think I'm quite settled. Um, some other things yeah. about me would be I love music. I love traveling, food and trying new things. That's awesome. So based on your experiences, what would you say are kind of like the big differences between the education system in Sri Lanka and the U.S.? So honestly, given that Sri Lanka was colonized um, by the British, we follow the U.K. schooling system where you have either two boards, which is either Cambridge or Adexel. Um, <laughs> through the entirety of my educational career, I, we followed through with Adexel. And in that you, during your sophomore year, you would ideally have um, these ordinary level exams. And mm -hmm. then through your junior and senior years, you would have advanced level exams. And like these are taken worldwide wherever the UK system is followed. And mm -hmm. I found this like quite different to um, here in the States where yeah. you're assessed with assessments or any form of assignments all throughout the year. So you're continuously like monitored in that sense. And um, furthermore, um, for each subject, your final grade is determined by the exam you take back in Sri Lanka, which is the final um, exam that you take at the end of the academic year, the Adexel exam. Uh -huh. But here in the States, um, it's very different to that. We have like the different trimester or the semester grades that schools work yeah. with. And like, it's a lot of pressure, I would certainly say back there, because um, you're spending the last few months before the end of the academic year just memorizing large amounts of content and mm. I would say it's quite the pressure and another one of the biggest differences would be how sports and arts are one of the most integral part of school here mm -hmm. and like you know back in Sri Lanka I was not very sporty and I'm not a sporty person in general but yeah. over here I was required to take a sport so I chose cross country and I would have never expected myself to like the sport at all, but I fallen mm -hmm. in love with it. Um, I really like my team and I've even improved on my timings, which is, again, that's unexpected. Amazing. Well, that sounds so fun, all the things you've done. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so what do you feel um, are the differences in standardized testing between the two countries? And if so, what, what do you like or dislike about either? So here uh, in the States, standardized testing is, you know, far more structured. There's better counseling involved. Um, they give you the whole procedure of standardized testing. The preparation for that begins earlier on. Mm -hmm. And you have the choice of either taking the SAT as well as the ACT, which is actually not a preference back there in Sri Lanka. Now, the similarity here is that even in Sri Lanka, we have a large amount of students giving the AC SATs. But oh. it is not part of their curriculum, which means a student back in Sri Lanka would it would be completely on them to prepare, to find their resources and to give the SATs accordingly. So over mm -hmm. here, there are far more coaching options. You know, you have counselors and teachers themselves talking to you about it and helping you decide where to go. OK, 
So, uh, so do you think that schools are more competitive in Sri Lanka or in the U.S.? And what makes you think so? Um, I would stick by saying uh, back in Sri Lanka, it is far more competitive. Mm-hmm. I mean, with exam results and the IGCSE, which is actually uh, one of the main exams that is under the ADEXO board, um, the awards that are given to the students who like excel in those exams, all yeah. of those like um, results are separated by just tiny point differences. So oh, very wow. like a uh, cutthroat competition and. And you have already parents pushing children to great limits to, you know, excel and their expectations are really high. And I mean, at the end of the day, you have this whole uh, Sri Lanka, India, any country that is not in like any uh, any group of people that are not from the States. They have to work twice as harder if they're trying to get into college admissions or any form of opportunities here in the States. Oh, so do you believe that Sri Lanka puts more pressure on students when it comes to the college admissions process? Oh, for sure. And like some of the, I mean, it's a large contrast. And again, it's not very comparable, I'd say. And this uh-huh. is because, okay, if um, if I if I would ask someone in the UK or in the States, they would prefer to stay in their own country and, you know, school even after uh, high school here is because they have that educational capacity in those countries. They have those amount of institutions and colleges to, you know, pick yeah. from, to go for in the future. Back in Sri Lanka, that's very limited. And so you have students applying to a wide range of colleges in Australia, the UK, the US. And for them mm-hmm. now, they are keeping their options wide and open because they the colleges here only take a certain limited amount of international students. So that yeah. is one restriction. And... Another thing, you'd obviously naturally face more pressure because they want better opportunities and students here are given the preference because they are from here. Mm -hmm. So really, I'd say it's not really comparable, I would put it as. So at your at your previous school, what mental health illness, I mean, services have you guys had? We didn't really have any mental health services in my old school. Um, I wish we would have, but we didn't. Um, here mm-hmm. at MICD, yes, we have a whole student support team wherein we have learning specialists, mm-hmm. counselors who are just an email away. And like we have, as I've mentioned before, we have speakers from St. Louis area coming in to talk to us about the importance of mental health and address the following. So it's really yeah. just like that kind of extent that school goes to that makes a big difference. And of course, our advisors checking in with us monthly. Yeah. So do you have like any advice to share with students who may be starting new school or in the future? Oh, for sure. Um, honestly, I've lived by being open to change. Um, <laughs> accept that you're in a new environment and then try and learn from these new surroundings. For like when you're ready to accept, you'll find yourself more comfortable and fitting in more smoother. And like I have shifted before within schools in Sri Lanka and then this international move here to the States. So I know what moving is like. I know that feeling of feeling lost or confused in those different points. So I'd really say being open to change, being open to adapt, that would really get you far. Well, that's very nice. All right, so we have come to the end of the segment. Thank you so much for joining us, Anya. Thank you so much. Um, 
I really enjoyed listening to your story. And I think it's like really comforting to others who might be facing something similar. So thank you. I hope so. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Do you love animals? If so, this is the club for you. CARE, which stands for Club for Animal Rights and Education, is a nonprofit organization and club at MICDS and six surrounding branches in the St. Louis region. Our mission is to educate students about the health and rights of animals while providing fun and enlightening service opportunities for animal benefit. We host several yearly events and service opportunities from making dog toys and bandanas for the APA to volunteering in person and of course, socially distanced at Dogwood Farm Animal Sanctuary. All right, so we'll be switching things up for this final segment. Ask Shelly, a high school junior from St. Louis area, and one of the founders of MIST will be conducting the third segment of the podcast. So I'm going to hand it over to her, Shelly. Hi everyone, my name is Shelly and I am a high school junior from St. Louis, Missouri, as Nibby stated earlier, and I am one of the founders of MIST. Today I have the honor to conduct our third segment of this episode, where I will be interviewing Shaylee, who is a high school student and the head of the NAMI, or National Alliance on Mental Illness Club at her school. She will be discussing the recent suicides that have occurred in her school district and how we can work to destigmatize mental health issues through the education system and support students who may be struggling. This is an this is an incredibly important issue that we need to shed light on, but it is also an incredibly sensitive topic. So to our listeners, if themes of suicide upset you, please consider this as a trigger warning and feel free to tune out since the rest of this episode will be covering these themes. Um, just a disclaimer, we will not be using the name or the location of the school or district or any of the students involved in the story Shaylee is about to tell us for privacy reasons. Hi, Shaylee. Hi, Shelley. How are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, so first off, um, do you want to start by just introducing yourself further and explain the situation of what has happened recently in your district? Yeah, so um, my name is Shaylee, and I am one of the founding members of our school's NAMI, or National Alliance on Mental Illness, chapter. Um, and I attend a school, uh, large public school district where recently um, three students in the past year took their own life. So that's the incredibly difficult situation that all of us have been dealing with. Yeah, I can't even imagine how difficult it must be for you and your school district, and then of course for the people in the school. Um, so what was your initial reaction about after hearing about the first suicide? Um, I think my initial reaction as well as everyone um, in our district, we were just dealing with a lot of shock, um, obviously. Um, so that was really difficult. And, you know, for all of us, we weren't thinking about like, you know, a suicide prevention or um, pushing a message at that point. We were just trying to deal with the grief of having lost, you know, a friend or a classmate or a student and for me, a teammate. So um, I think that was the initial reaction that we felt at first. Uh, so, yeah, you just talked about how the students reacted. Um, how did your school district react? Was it any different? Yeah. 
So um, the the day that we all found out, um, there were extra support staff on hand, I believe just for that day, um, in case students needed a little more emotional support, um, because obviously it was, it was incredibly tough to deal with. Um, so that was really the first reaction from the district side as well. Yeah, yeah I can't even imagine uh, how difficult that must have been. Uh, do you feel like their reaction has shifted about mental health since the first suicide? Or are they still kind of in the same phase that they were earlier? Or how's, how are things looking now? Yeah, so I definitely think that's a difficult question to answer, um, mainly because obviously school looks different for everyone all across the country with the pandemic and not you know being physically in school. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't necessarily know that any shift has taken place. But then again, it's also difficult because um, we're not physically seeing each other. um, And, you know, I think it's easier for everyone to feel a little bit more distant. But on my end, um, and in my experience, I don't think there has been like a major shift. Um, Although we have had a few like mental health days or mental health events um, and like optional speaker events for students to attend um, like Monday morning or something like that. Um, But other than that, I don't think there's anything significant. Yeah, yeah, so you mentioned the... um, things that um, your school is doing, such as um, hosting events and stuff, and specifically what the students are doing. So I've also heard a lot of amazing things that students are doing in general around the country to bring awareness of mental health issues. And that includes you actually with your NAMI club. So could you talk a little bit more about other student initiatives to raise awareness of mental health at your school? Yeah, so um, I'm actually really proud of what everyone in our student body has been able to accomplish. Um, I know that a few students from our school district actually represented us at um, the school board meeting. And there they talked about, you know, how we do need more awareness and more training um, to destigmatize mental illness in schools. So I know that like a lot of people, um, a lot of students have been doing great things to try to raise awareness and, um, you know, see this shift and how we approach these conversations. Yeah, I think definitely think that's such an amazing thing and such an important thing to do, especially um, if your school is not doing anything, and especially like coming from a student perspective, is such an important and powerful thing. So, like, what are some of their general goals or demands for your district? Yeah. Um. So I think they've done a really good job laying out um, specific demands or requests that they have. So, for example, um, we uh, those students who represented us at the school board said that they felt they needed more resources, um, which was key to saving lives. We need more teacher training in schools because, um, you know, teacher, it's obviously incredibly difficult and it, it requires special training to be able to deal with these situations. So I cert- uh, so we certainly thought that was another thing that's important. And then they also talked about how each counselor in our school um, is seeing uh, approximately 350 students. So obviously they're not going to be able to develop a close relationship with the student. So restructuring the counseling system can go a long way. Um, as well as student training, because there are so many wonderful organizations in our area, like um, NAMI, for example, who do provide student training and um, crisis training. And a lot of these um, could definitely be implemented into schools so that students themselves are better able to handle situations within their um, selves, within their families, within their peers. Um, So all of those things are very viable solutions um, that students have proposed and hopefully that we will see implemented in the near future. Yeah, yeah, hopefully you will see that in the near future, especially because students are bringing up those demands. So yeah, that's amazing. 
Um, so in general, how do you think your district can make more resources available to its students? So like what's currently available and what, what has been added recently and what do you think could be added? Just like going off of what you said earlier. Yeah, um, so certainly just increasing the amount of counselors that are in the school and having more of a personal relationship. Um, and then also um, just having everyone in the school, at least, um, you know, having a baseline of information on how to deal with mental illness, because I know a lot of people, um, myself included, don't necessarily know what to do in those situations. So um, certainly just things like that, um, even if they're not major or drastic, just making sure that everyone goes through that process of understanding what mental illness is and how we can deal with it, um, that can really go a long way. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Even from my perspective, I feel like there's so much more to know and so much more awareness that is needed and so much more that we need to be taught as students to learn like what to do in certain situations and how to help someone. Um, so this is more of a general question, but what would you say that some of the main causes of stress and anxiety are in high school students? Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of stressors and it really depends on the person um, and their situation. But I think for the majority of students that I know, um, there's like academic stress and just, you know, doing, handling all these things that they're doing in school or outside of school. Um, and then also some students may have, you know, a family situation or a personal situation that they're dealing with as well um, that can cause stress and anxiety. Um, and I just, I mean, I think that's a very tough question to answer because it, it uh, differs from person to person. But um, I think, yeah, high schoolers are dealing with so much um, and I don't think that's acknowledged enough. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like there's the pressure of school, pressure of college admissions. And then of course, like with the pandemic that's brought so much more. And then of course people have stuff going on at home. And then on top of that, there's social media. There's just so much. Um, how would you say that, like what percent would you say that school plays an impact in all of this? Um, again, I think it depends person to person. I know that, um, well, for me, not necessarily like stress, but a lot of my time is spent um, dealing with school and um, like academics and stuff. So um, I certainly think that plays a large role um, for me personally. But then again, I can't really speak to everyone's experiences. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It does vary person to person. Uh, so I wanted to segue a little bit here. So I think that oftentimes when mental health is talked about in the context of schools and providing resources, we tend to forget about um, the most important thing, maybe. Uh, it's sometimes hard to admit when you need help, and it makes things worse if you feel like you're going to be judged for it. So how do you think an inclusive school environment is important when it comes to mental health? And how do you think schools can create that sort of inclusive and welcoming environment where people feel safe to get help? Yeah, um, I think a large part of how we can build that environment, um, a lot of it is up to the school district and making sure we have adequate resources, um, like I said before, to deal with mental health situations. But a lot of it depends on us students um, and making sure that um, our fellow students know that they're not alone and, um, you know, that their feelings are are valid and that what they're battling isn't, you know, um, it, they're not alone. Um, and I think that's just that's an environment that we all can create. So I don't uh, I, like a lot of the responsibility is on the school district uh, itself, but a lot of it, we need to make sure that we're, you know, not 
stigmatizing mental illness and making sure that every student knows that if they're going through it, like they can reach out, they can seek help and they won't be judged. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. It definitely takes everyone to come together to do that, to make it a welcoming environment, whether it's like the students or the district. Um, so another important factor of mental health is just education, me mental health education in general. Uh, do you feel like there's enough education done in schools about mental health? And how do you think schools can improve mental health education or awareness? Um, I, so I don't think that at the moment there's enough being done in schools. Um, and we can improve mental health education and awareness um, by, you know, making sure that um, every student knows what to do in a crisis. So just having that sort of training for students, um, as well as having that sort of training for staffs. Um, so th I think those two things are like crucial to shifting the environment and how we deal with mental illness, because I don't think we're doing enough to talk about mental health in schools at the moment. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And um, I mean, this is might be a person, this might be like a general question. I don't know what you think about it, but do you feel like the conversation in schools about mental health gets oversimplified at times? Like, do you feel like people tend to try to find a solution rather than like immediately, which might not be the right thing to do? Yeah, um, I certainly, that's an important question. And I, I think it's a very interesting question as well. Because I think a lot of the time people are afraid of talking about uh, mental health because they feel like they have to offer some sort of solution. You know, they have to have like a multi-step plan that we can like completely, you know, eradicate mental illness. But it really doesn't work that way. Um, and I think that we just the first thing that we can all do is just make a more um, welcoming environment by just starting to talk about it. We don't have we don't have the solutions. We can't like solve it magically, obviously, because it is a very complex issue. Um, so I, I do think that, like you said, people do oversimplify it. Um, and it's, it's a very multifaceted issue. So we have to tackle it one small step at a time. Um, and I think a lot of people are intimidated by, by that, but the first step is just being able to talk about it openly for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think that's the most important thing, like creating a welcoming environment, like as much as posting a crisis text line or phone number helps I mean I think yeah I agree with you like the first yeah time. for sure like those hotline numbers and um all of that you know it, it, we don't know necessarily that it is effective or if it isn't effective or um it's still being developed but that you don't have to offer like a crisis text line or a hotline number when you're dealing with this I I think that um oftentimes we feel like that's the only way we can deal with it but I think um, the first step is just to like start destigmatizing and understanding that this is a part of the world we live in and um, that, you know, there, you can seek help if you need help. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, so another challenge right now, which we've talked about earlier, is the pandemic, especially with virtual school, which all, we all know that's incredibly difficult. Um, so how do you think that the pandemic has impacted mental health of students as a whole during the pandemic? And how do you feel like schools play a role in this? Yeah, um, I think as a result of the pandemic, and I'm sure all of us have experienced this, um, it's just become a learning has become a lot less personal and school has become a lot less, you know, one-on-one um, -on -one, um, and it's less interacting with people directly, less connecting with people. So I certainly think um, that plays a role in mental health. Um, and I, I do think that there's other things that come into play, 
like for example, social media. I know a lot of my friends and I have reported spending more time on social media. And obviously we know that that can also uh, detriment, be detrimental to mental health. Um, so there's just a lot of things at play. And we're honestly, we're the first generation of students who are going through a pandemic and going through online school. Um, and so I think we don't fully know what the impact is yet, but um, I know that it has been detrimental. It has been challenging, um, mostly because we've just lost that personal touch. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Like online um, school or social media can't really replace day-to-day -day interactions. And that's so true. Because like everyone has this whole image of themselves that they use online. And it's not really like reflecting like what's going on. And right, right. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly difficult trying to connect with people during this pandemic. For sure. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Um, so lastly, um, I can't even imagine how difficult it is to deal with the loss of someone you know from suicide. So I wanted to end this segment by asking you what your message would be to students who may be coping with the loss of someone they know or are close to from suicide. Oh, man, uh, that's really tough. Um, so I would say a couple of things. First of all, take the time you need because when you're going through something like that, it's incredibly, incredibly tough. So don't be too hard on yourself. Take the time that you need, you know, do what you need to do to like make yourself feel better. Um, if that's taking time, like a couple of days off or talking to someone, um, that certainly will be helpful in the long run. Um, and another thing I would say is um, if you're comfortable, reach out to your peers or other people who might also be, um, you know, grieving this loss and, and really just look out for each other because I know that's what got my school through it and my friends and um, the people that, um, you know, I know when we were dealing with the situation, just make, making sure that we have that sense of community. Um, so that's really, really important. I can't overstate the importance of that. Um, so really, I just say, Take your time, talk to people, reach out, um, and it's just an incredibly tough situation. Yeah, can't even imagine. It must be so difficult. Yeah, it's so important to like reach out and like if you need help or like to talk to someone. So yeah, that's um, all I have. Is there anything else that we didn't get to that you want to add? Yeah, so I just wanted to say that like, you know, this is a really, really tough subject. And we honestly, we don't have all the answers, but um, I think the most important thing is that we're not afraid to talk about mental health. Um, and I'm, I've seen that more in our generation. I think we're less, uh, we're more open about it um, and we're trying to lessen the stigma. So I, I think I'm really hopeful for the future um, and seeing the great things that students in my districts are do students in my district are doing um, students in other schools like your school are doing. Um, so I think I like ultimately I'm just hopeful and I know that it will take all of us to get to a point where we don't have to worry about that stigma. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. It does take all of us and we're all hoping that the future will be better because we're all trying to speak up about this and make just a more inclusive world in general. So yeah, um, thank you so much, Shaylee, for this. Uh, it's thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Thank you so much. Uh, so thank you all for tuning in. It's been great hosting this segment. So now I'm going to turn the floor back over to Nibby. 
All right, guys, thank you so much for joining our podcast today. And a thank you to our guests today, Aga, Anya, and Shaylee. This is Nivi signing out. And stay tuned for our next podcast. See you guys next time.